not quite right. My name's Ed. And I'm Amanda. Amanda, we were on the Two Lit Chicks podcast earlier in the week talking about flash fiction. Indeed we were. And we'll attach part of that conversation to the end of this episode. And if you want to check out more, head over to Two Lit Chicks. We'll put the link in the show description. But while we're at it, seeing as we're only weeks away from the Not Quite Right prize for flash fiction, Mm -hmm. we wanted to be open about our judging criteria Yeah. And just share with our listeners what we're looking for and what we hope to see in our entries. Just a little bit of transparency in the judging process. Um, I feel like it's lacking in a lot of writing competitions and I want to provide that to the people who are going to be entering the Not Quite Right Prize. I know from our experience in entering Furious Fiction and other prizes, you're never sure what the judges are looking for if they want something that is... Uh, I guess, flashy and and captures their attention uh, or, or if they're looking for something a bit more serious. Um, so let's talk about our preferences and what we would like to see. I mean, I think for me as well, like a big part of when we're entering competitions is the fear of like, how strict are they going to be mm. or how anal are they going to be about these judging criteria? And a big one for me, as you know, is like, how much can I swear <laughs> yes, yes. And you're usually telling me to tone it down and you're not wrong, but it would be nice to sort of know like who are we dealing with here and like what do they enjoy? What do they think is amusing, entertaining and worthy, I guess, of a win? So we can put it out there straight away. Swear all you like. Please. We don't have a problem with it. I'm offended if you don't swear, to be honest. (laughs) No, listen, I'm not trying to promote that as if that's the way to win the competition. And this is the thing I think we want to make clear is that when we share with you right now, you know, our tastes and preferences, this is not to like restrict you. This is not to even make you think differently about how you want to write. Ultimately, you should write the story you want to write. The takeaway point is don't sanitize yourself. If you want to tell a story that is completely ridiculous and vile and disgusting, if it's a great story, we'd, to love right to read <laughs> we'd love to read it. So We would. I mean, and I don't know. I don't want to oversell that point. Like mm. that is not the point. Mm, yes. The point is to just tell the most compelling story that you can tell. And if that happens to be an incredibly offensive story, we're here for it. Mm. Go for it. If it's a great story, we will listen to it, we will read it, and we will probably enjoy it. Yeah. And for me, the prompts are much less important than Mm. the story. So the prompts are there really to, to inspire you. I think what's probably common, and it's probably one of the few things that are common between me and Ed, is that we both just really enjoy quality writing. Mm. So if you write a really compelling sentence, you know, we're both going to sit up and pay attention to that. And I have to be clear, like, honestly, we roast people who get into the purple prose kind of end of things. And so... It's not a case of like trying to show how clever you are and how superior you are with your language. It's really about just capturing our imagination Mm. with your language. And so there's a real difference there. And I think that's a fine line to balance for some people. Some people just naturally have a gift for that. Other people have to work on it through their edits. I think it's a balance, like good prose, a lot of the time is quite transparent. Yeah. So you don't- It doesn't have to be that- 
deep and crazy, doesn't yeah. it? It's just, it's a way of showing something that you maybe haven't thought of before. Mm. And it's a little bit different and it's a little bit evocative or a yeah. lot evocative. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, that's the important thing is, well, how well have you conveyed like some sort of, uh, I guess, emotional truth or some sort of experience through through the writing that as a reader you can connect with and say, well, that's, I get it. Like, I get I that. Get it. It's either a great story. I mean, it can be a great story that's interesting and has some plot twists, or it can be something a little um, more subdued, but just written in a way that that really makes you connect with it. So, uh, you know, I just want to emphasize there's a really wide range of stories that mm. we're looking for. Uh, and what we really want to see is everyone come up with their own style and, and yeah. bring their own uh, voice to the table. And we really want to be surprised. Yeah. So, th- I mean, that's the takeaway. Don't restrict yourself. Don't think that we want to hear a certain type of story or a certain genre or in a certain voice, you know, you need to grab the reader's attention and make the reader interested in what you're saying. But that doesn't mean you have to be really wacky and out there. Um, Or, by the way, really depressing either. Like, I think that we need to consider a range of emotions in flash fiction. And I I worry that we're going to be reading hundreds, if not more, Hmm. entries. And I'm not sure I'm going to be comfortable getting like super depressed (laughs) with these entries because we know that when people write flash fiction, often they lean into these really dark, difficult emotions, which can be incredibly compelling. And I'm not saying don't do it. I guess I'm just saying don't use that as a crutch. Don't use that as the only thing your story has going for it is that you're just going to say something really depressing like, show me a dog being <laughs> being murdered in a post-apocalyptic situation to get my attention because I don't think that's what's necessarily going to cut through. I think you need to lean into other emotions too, if that's what's gripping you in the Mm. moment. You know, it's okay to write something that is silly. I love silly stuff. I love cliche when it's done well, you know. I love humour. I love love and happy endings. I mean, I'm speaking for myself here. We know already that Eddie hates I was going to say, I like depressing it. Yeah, he likes depressing (laughs) it. And look, I'm not ruling it out. I guess I'm just saying... Don't use that as a crutch for your story. Make sure you're really clear on what you want your story to be sharing. And don't necessarily assume that it has to be one of these really dark emotions to be compelling. Mm. Because I think sometimes some of the best stories can come from those other emotions that maybe we don't tap into as much. And that's the challenge of flash fiction. And I think what we're looking for, you know, you only have a certain number of words, very limited number of words. You're not going to be able to fit in a whole lot of backstory. I mean, there's some basics of good flash fiction that will probably help you as well. Like, for example, I think most people who write short stories or flash fiction know that the intro is just the most Mm. important part. In fact, it's the most important part of any type of fiction, basically. You've really got to grab the reader. So imagine if you, even if you're not a writer, if you watch some Netflix, you know, what's the first episode of a series like? It is there to get your attention, to hook you. And we know that this is a very effective tactic for getting people into a story, whether it's a series on TV or whether it's 600 words on a page. So make sure that when you're introducing your story, you give it the attention it deserves. And I'm not saying that it needs to be this huge, dramatic, 
heist. You know, it, we don't always have to cut to the chase first thing. Sometimes it's okay to open with a quiet scene, something a little bit subdued. If that's what you want your story to be, all that matters is that you're really leading us into the story quickly. And when you think about it, we're going to be judging hundreds of other stories. So how are you going to immediately transport us from the story we've just read into the story that you're about to tell us? Yeah. And like you say, it doesn't have to be action packed. No. But just to show that, hey, that first line is has been really thought about. That's it. And I think as well, like flowing on from that, and this is something I'm super guilty of, especially in microfiction, when you're editing the ever living shit out of your story, is to be really clear mm-hmm. in your story. Remember again that we're going to be reading hundreds of entries. So if you are not clear, if you're being a bit too clever with things, it's not necessarily going to translate. That might work well in other settings, but in a writing competition in this setting, you need to be clear. You need to make sure that everything that you want to be communicating to us can be received without too much work on our part, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure that we're going to be in a position to be doing that work, Mm. to be working for meaning and searching for meaning in things. I don't want to be slapped in the face necessarily with something, but I do want it to be presented to me in a way that I can digest it and understand what's being said to me. And like I said, I'm guilty of that. So I understand Mm. when you've only got 600 words to work with, that can be really difficult. But that's where I think having friends or family who can read the story for you and give you their first impressions and to make sure that whatever they're confused by or whatever they're getting tripped up on, even if it's just the wording, the way a sentence is worded that they're getting tripped up on when they're reading it, you need to pay attention to that and make sure that you address that because the way you read what you're writing is not necessarily how it's going to be received on the other end. Yeah, one of the things that I always do is for flash fiction and microfiction, once I think I finished, is print it out and read it out loud as if I was telling the story. Yeah. And if you can get through it without fumbling, without stumbling, then that's usually a pretty good sign that someone else is going to read it in the same way. But if you find yourself tripping over a few words or as you say it, maybe they're not coming through with the right cadence, then you might think about Uh, re-editing that. Absolutely. And that's something that you can fix so simply. And I think it's one of those kill your darlings things, you know, Mm. where something in your head is really poetic and it may be so beautiful in your head, but if you are entering a competition and you want that to be received well on the other end, you have to think about how that's going to be automatically read by someone else who's not in your head, who wasn't there when you created that. So another thing I think you touched on before, Ed, was basically whether you need like a really unique, clever idea Mm -hmm. or whether you can go with something a little bit more, I guess, what first springs to mind. And bearing in mind that lots of other people are going to maybe be having that same first thought as you, unless you're really confident with your ability to communicate that idea really clearly and really amazingly, it may be a better idea to not go with that very first thought. Potentially. I mean, guess what I believe is that good writing is going to shine through. Yeah. So whether you choose to write about your first idea, I think what, what's most important is that you as a writer feel personally 
connected to that story and compelled to write it in a meaningful way. Mm. Um, I think that's much more important than thinking about it from the perspective of the reader and whether they're going to enjoy that story. So I think from the perspective of, of getting the judge's attention, sometimes going off the beaten path is a good idea. But I think good writing is always going to shine through. And regardless of whether you write the obvious story or the unobvious story, the best written story is going to win. I think you're right. And I think probably part of that process is doing that brainstorming first and seeing what grabs you, you know, because probably the most cliche idea is not necessarily going to grab you. You're going to be grabbed once you start exploring those ideas. And what's interesting to you is probably going to be interesting to us because you're able to really get into that and communicate that really well. On top of that, I feel like this is that whole write what you know thing. Mm. If you are bringing something to us that you know that is special to you, like a special interest of yours, I think that's going to shine through as well. Whether it's some unique perspective you have on the world due to maybe your career or just who you are in the world, where you are in the world, if you bring that sort of stuff into a story, that translates well to a reader. You know, it's like you're inviting us into something personal for you and that can be really engaging and really interesting. Just some other little basics for flash fiction in general. I am a real sucker for like a really clever title, (laughs) mainly because I suck at writing my own clever titles. My title is usually like the yeah, whatever. Whatever it is about. Yeah, which is fine, by the way. And do not go so hard that you're trying to overcook something. You know, if the title's not there, it's not there. But I love when a flash fiction title like gains meaning by mm. the end of the story and then it sort of is this full circle moment. Yeah, it's another layer that really gets added onto the story. It's just an opportunity, I guess. It's mm. not always going to be appropriate and I would advise against like – trying too hard with that because I have certainly seen some real try-hard titles that bother me, you know, like full disclosure, the titles that are like seven words long um, can be great, but it it, to me it's a bit of a trend. And unless you are doing that for a really specific reason, like unless your full sentence title has a reason for being that way, you're much better off, like I guess, underselling it. Yeah, so keep it simple unless you've got a really great idea you want to execute in the title. Yeah. So what are some things that would be like a trigger for you, like put you off? Look, I'd like to see stories rather than sometimes the temptation when you are being creative is to say, well, everyone's going to do a story. Why don't I do a poem? Mm. Or why don't I do something that is a completely weird format? Mm. Um, That can sometimes work as well if you pull it off. But I think more often than not, they don't work as well because you are kind of missing the brief. Yeah. And, and the brief is flash fiction. Yeah, write, tell a Write story. a flash fiction story. So if you write a poem, maybe you are an excellent poet and that's a great poem and we love it, but probably the response would be, well, that's not really a story. Yeah. And you can tell a story in a poem, but I have to agree with you there and, and add that I typically find it pretty triggering to be involved in a flash fiction competition and then be up against poetry Mm. or be, and, and honestly as well, just straight up like classic rhyming poetry. I feel like poetry has its own 
genre. That's not yeah. what we're working with. Having said that, we are open-minded. Like we are happy to be proven wrong, but again, full disclosure, like you're going to be fighting an uphill battle to impress us with a poem when mm. we're what we're asking for is a piece of fiction. And same thing again, like I've seen a bit of a trend for the Bridget Jones diary style mm. kind of thing. I have seen it done really well. So again, I'm not ruling that out as being something that could be impressive, but I don't love it. I'm not, I'm not drawn to it and it's not going to immediately impress me as mm. if it's a clever tactic. It's going to have to be a really good story regardless. Yeah, it's more going to have to overcome the fact that it's not a story by yeah, being almost. extra good. Yeah, I mean, or at least as good, you know, mm. like don't lean on these sort of creative methods to mask a story that's maybe yeah. not that great like we want a character in a setting who's doing something yeah maybe <laughs> again i don't want to yeah. i don't want to squash creativity here like yeah. i'm i would love to be proven wrong yeah i would love for someone to come and say this is actually a receipt for a purchase and this is my story <laughs> do you know what i mean like yep. something that crazy um but again, like you're fighting an uphill battle if you're relying on this uh, format yeah. instead of relying on it being a really great story with really great use of language. What I would really love to see is a really compelling use of the prompts. So when we release the prompts, I know for myself, having been an entrant in other competitions, when I look at the winning entries or, or the shortlisted entries and I see that someone has taken a prompt and really run with it, mm -hmm. I just find that so impressive because it's like I can see that you have just been inspired by this and you have just completely let it take over, Yep. you know, and I love that. I guess I just find it really impressive that someone can just sort of sit there and be inspired and then take something and run with it so hard that that becomes like the theme of their story. Yeah. So we've said kind of conflicting things there. Um, take the prompts, run with it. And I've also said to some extent, ignore the prompts, mm. I guess, to, to mm. some extent, let them fall into the background or let them inspire you, but they can be a side part of your story. So I think both are acceptable and we're going to have the experience of reading probably hundreds upon hundreds. And it may be that after reading 100 stories, we're both sick of the prompts and we'd love to see them <laughs> fade away into the background. That's probably very true. I think it'll be very interesting. Like we're coming into this, we're trying to be really transparent about what our views are now but who knows how that will change and be shaped by what you send to us. Like, I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to come out the other side and say, you know what? Poems are the best, <laughs> yeah. you know, and just enter a poem every single time. The biggest thing for me, and I will say this is probably everything else, I reckon take it or leave it. Mm. The main thing is how you feel about it, really. And if you feel great, it's probably going to translate well, as long as you've had some consideration as to how that translates to a reader. But the one thing, the one thing I will say is that if you make me jealous, if I wish I wrote that sentence, mm. it's going to get my attention. And by the same token, if you write something that I walk away from and cannot stop thinking about, that's probably going to get my yeah. attention too. Bearing in mind again that we're going to be sharing these entries. We're going to be shortlisting, long, well, longlisting, then shortlisting. 
we're probably the good ones. We're going to have to read them a few times. And so it's going to be something that has to keep giving every single time that we read it. One thing I'd advise against, and this comes from personal experience, and maybe I'm wrong, so just ignore me if you disagree, but don't use this writing comp as therapy. <laughs> don't use it. Don't no, use I don't it as therapy. That. Like, well, do. Like, please We do. literally have a character called Catharsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take it all back. I, I don't know. I just, I've done this myself, and I feel like sometimes – there's that level that you have to be removed a little bit from the story mm. to be able to tell it well. And maybe that's just me. I, maybe I don't know. I think that's a mixed can, bag because yeah. the story that you wrote, The One Furious Fiction, was kind of a personal Catharsis. story. It was. It, it, was a, it wasn't an exact thing that happened. The names were changed to protect the innocent. But it was a personal experience that you drew from. So I think it's really important to draw from personal experience and be excited, be in yourself connected with the story that you're writing. But what you're saying is like you need a little bit of distance from the event to be able to- I don't know what I'm saying. Like honestly, I I rarely do, but, you know, maybe I am wrong. Maybe you should completely write something that is just gripping you in the moment. Mm. I guess I've had a mixed bag of- experiences because as you say that was a feeling I had that I really leaned into and that won me that competition so Mm -hmm. in that sense ignore exactly what I'm about to say but the other side of it is sometimes when you're exploring something and it's really for yourself do you know what I mean like you're not considering the reader you're you're so wrapped up in your own experience of that that you can't generalize it out more. That yeah, I think what you're talking with. about is if you've got a really strong emotional connection with something and you write about that thing, then you look at that and, and say, wow, what a strong emotional piece. But if that's not a universal thing mm. or a, a widely held thing, then someone can go into that and read it and, and not be moved in the same way because they don't have that personal experience. Mm. So if it's a very specific personal experience, unless you can convey the why Mm. You're, you know, that that affects you so much, it might be difficult to get a reader to also feel the same way. Yeah, I guess it's, a, a again, like a fine line kind of situation because absolutely you should be throwing yourself into it and, and real emotion can translate very strongly. It's a matter of making sure that what you're communicating is still a story yeah. and not just a diary entry from your life, not just a catharsis of your own feelings about something, but actually a story that other people can connect with. How do you feel about twists? Well, it depends on the story, I think. Mm. Sometimes twists can be very compelling uh, and surprising. Mm. But I think a lot of the time with flash fiction and shorter fiction, twists can be used as a crutch. Mm. Or maybe not a crutch, but something that people think needs to happen. Yeah. And sometimes if you have a twist right at the end, it can feel a bit forced. So I'm much more of a fan of that Joycean epiphany approach to short fiction. So you tell Please a story. <laughs> well, you tell a story and by the end of the story, there is some sort of minor realization or something has occurred within the mind of the character Uh, that is noteworthy. And it doesn't have to be like a big, oh my God, twist. 
there has to be some element of change or growth, mm. but often twists can serve to undermine like what, what you've written. Mm. And I think that's a, something you need to look out for if you're writing twists, you know, if it, is it just there for the sake of, well, I need an ending. So mm. I'll make the guy who you thought was the victim. I'll make him the killer. Yeah. You know, I don't think that always works. So there are definitely some cases where a twist is great. Um, mm. You have to not see it coming and it has to work within, has to flow from the story. But I have read pieces that have a twist just for the sake of it. And it doesn't always work. Yeah. I think again, it's probably like not to make it too vague, but it's like, did your twist make me jealous? <laughs> Did I wish I'd written that twist yeah. or come up with that idea? And I, full disclosure for me, I have never once in like 13 years, how many years has Law & Order SVU been on TV? <laughs> I have never once guessed the ending. Yeah. I am not that smart, right? <laughs> Even in the most cliche situation, I will be pleasantly shocked. Mm. Um, having said that, as you have indicated, if if it's a twist for the sake of a twist, it's not going to land. It has to be, if it brings you joy, you know, if you're writing it and you're like, this is sick, like I'm so proud of this, this is so amazing, it's probably going to land well. But if you're trying to like engineer a twist mm. where one doesn't naturally occur, it may be risky. I think what you're fighting against as well is for a twist to work, you need it needs to subvert the reader's expectations. Mm. So if you have a movie and there's a twist in it, it only works because you've spent an hour and a half building up a different reality mm. and you're now subverting that reality. Or in a novel, you spent, you know, a hundred pages building up that reality. In a short story in a flash fiction piece of 600 words, you just don't have that much time to set up an expectation that can then be subverted. Sometimes you can. You can. I mean, I think you can use cliche or like, you know, classic settings and classic characters to set up expectations. You know, a, cl a classic twist would be it's a woman instead of a man, for example. And that's something that can easily be done. I think it's important to say at this point that I actually do love a twist though. Yeah. It just has to be really good, you know? And I think when we look at those greats of flash fiction and short stories, they do it so well. And sometimes those ones with the twists are the ones that stick with you. And so it can be a really amazing way of delivering impact so I would say don't shy away from it, but just make sure that you know when you're doing it, why you're doing it, yeah. and that what you're delivering is satisfying. Yeah, you're right. And I'd say, you know, don't think that you need to include a twist. Don't think it's part of what flash fiction is. But by all means, if that's the story you want to mm. write, if that's what you want to tell, if you love the twist, go for it. And I think that's the moral of the story here, right? Like if we're going to get into <laughs> the end of this episode and what it means to us, I would say ignore everything we just said. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt because your story is your story. And honestly, if you are having fun, if you have written a story that you're proud of, that is to be celebrated. Mm. Forget what we think. What do you think? Absolutely. We haven't read your story yet, so we don't know. And um, I think the important thing is to have fun with it. Write the story that you want to tell. The best stories are the one that the writer really cares about. Uh, do your best to make the prose flow. Uh, do your best editing. I think editing is an enormous part of especially flash fiction where you have so few words. Mm. I know when I've 
entered flash fiction competitions. I spend a few hours writing the story and then I edit it seven, eight, ten more times. I spend way more time editing. Way than more I spend time writing. editing than, than <laughs> writing. So I think that's the formula. Um, but yeah, have fun with it. Write your best story and we'd love to read them. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see all the different unique stories that come our way. And now here's a little taste of our Two Lit Chicks discussion on flash fiction. Have a listen. And if you like it, check out the Two Lit Chicks podcast. There'll be a link in the show notes. We actually did two episodes, one talking about flash fiction and the other was a quiz. Yeah. So if you're like looking to procrastinate on actually doing some writing, it's a really great way to do that. <laughs> what makes good flash fiction though? Because I'm... I'm not that familiar with it, to be honest, but I love I love the concept. The really good flash fiction, in my opinion, the ones that stay with you are just these ones that are so vivid and they just cut through with one really strong idea or really like, usually it's something that either creeps you out or, you know, makes you feel really sad or gives you some other real emotional pull that sort of stays with I you. I think it's a strong image. Yeah. Like as, yeah. as you were saying, you, you need it to leave you with a strong image yeah. that you know, isn't hackneyed, I suppose, you know, that you haven't had before. And that when the judges think back to your piece, they go, oh yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. And I think too, with flash fiction, like there's really just no room for cliche or waffle, you know, so you're really cutting to the heart of it. You're not wasting anybody's time. It's funny because I've not written much flash fiction because I just feel like if I'm going to write, I want it to be part of whatever I'm working on. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm so focused on getting that done that I just don't have time to go off and do a little something else. But maybe I should try it. I feel like there's two kind of groups of we see in the online writing community. There's a group that are like, I'm writing novels now. So if I'm going to write something new, it's going to always turn into another novel, mm. which is, is kind of where I'm at. Because mm. I used to write short stories, never flash fiction, sadly. I used to write a lot of short stories. And when I started writing novels in the past 10 years, I, I can't go back to the short form because it just always <laughs> turns you just can't into help yourself. another idea for a novel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I see a lot of a group of people who constantly flip between shorter formats, including flash fiction, actually, um, and and novels. So I'm, I'm sort of quite jealous of those people. They can just jump between the, the different formats. Yeah, well, I mean, I think definitely it suits different personality types. And that's the case of any style of writing. But it's also really great, you know, if you have got other things going on in your life. It's a really great way to be creative and see your product finished without having to spend like 18 months or more potentially to write the end on your piece. It's also great if you're a procrastinator mm. and you can procrastinate <laughs> that while too. actually writing. I mean, it's writing. perfect for procrastination. <laughs> um, you, you feel like I'm still ticking boxes here, yeah. like I'm still achieving something. Exactly. But um, at the same time, majorly avoiding what I and should be doing. who knows, you might win. You might actually get paid for writing. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah, other exactly. bonus, obviously. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I think that's a really great point. The fact that you know, we, we do put pressure on ourselves to, you know, as writers, oh, I've got to write the next great American novel or whatever. And um, well, in my case. <laughs> <laughs> even even us Aussies, I'd love to write the next great American novel. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> fabulous. <all> yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. It's a really good way to kind of keep that, craft alive and whatnot on the, in those times in your life, especially when things are just getting on top of you and you feel like you can't dedicate as much as you would want to, to, to the craft of writing. And that takes us to the end of the episode. And we've got a few episodes releasing right now, um, which are interviews from the Words on the Waves. So check that out. 
And we'll be back to our regular episode structure pretty soon. We've got an episode coming out about songwriting and the Bare Naked Ladies album Detour de Force. So keep an eye out for that episode. It'll be dropping pretty soon. And until next time, ride on. Ride on. Thank you for listening to Not Quite Right. If you'd like to reach us via email or follow us on social media, you can find all the links on our website, notquiterightpodcast.com. That's W-R-I-T-E. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcasting app. Something doesn't seem quite right.